Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Faith to Go podcast, your one-stop shop for everything you need to have faith discussions throughout your week with your friends and with your family. My name is David Tremaine, and I'm the digital resource curator for Faith to Go. And I'm Charlotte Pressler, and I'm the youth missioner for the Episcopal Diocese of San Diego. And I'm Amy Reams, and I'm the co-director of Children, Youth, and Family at St. Luke's. Amy! We're hey. so happy welcome you're here, to the Amy. Pod. Thank you. Uh, whenever we have a guest on the podcast, we heard your title, but we would always love to know more about your ministry context. So would you tell us just what's happening? Yeah. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing. Tell us more about it. So I get to share this special role of children, youth and family director with the wonderful and my dear sister, Imani Ago. And we have a lot of kids. Mm -hmm. It's wonderful. It's um, a really exciting place to be because there's a lot to do. Um, We serve around 35 kids a week and um, from all different ages. Mm-hmm. And we get to, I get to, to run our godly play part and I am loving that. That's been such a fun adventure. Mm-hmm. And Amani does a lot of our youth group. We just started a Wrinkle in Time book club. Uh, thanks to Charlotte. We, I stole that idea. Yay. I love it. Um, next week we're having liverwurst sandwiches. <gasps> so good. I'm so excited. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's, it's a really fun place to do ministry. There's always something happening. We have really, really fun kids who have wonderful wonderings and exciting ideas and their, their participation is just really fun. So, um, we just finished our Camp Stevens Parish Retreat Mm -hmm. and that was awesome. So many sticky s'more hands and Mm -hmm. (laughs) lots of pool time and hiking and man, we just had, we had such a great time. Yeah. Yeah. St. Luke's is certainly a vibrant Mm -hmm. community. And I think that getting to be involved in children and youth ministry there is equal parts joy and exhaustion. Yes. (laughs) Yes. It definitely takes two of us. Um, I'm so grateful for Imani. Uh, We, we have a lot of fun. There is a lot going on and yeah, it, it is, it's unique in so many ways. Um, there are extra challenges of transportation and all sorts of things that we get to do, uh, specifically at St. Luke's, but, um, but there's so much joy and yeah. lots of singing and storytelling and I just love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Speaking of joy, um, we always also love to ask our guests where they saw or felt God's presence or didn't feel God's presence in the, in their work this last week or just in your lives. So. Yeah. Where would you say you felt or saw God's presence in your life? Yeah, so I have a pretty fun God sighting this week. I have been in a season of feeling overwork, feeling like there's so much to do. We have had all these programs launch. We just Mm -hmm. had this parish retreat. Um, Our pastors have been on sabbatical, and so there's just some extra things to do. And then in my other life, I'm a photographer, Mm -hmm. and we... Um, it's Christmas card season, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. lots more pictures to take right now, and it's all really great things. And and in these seasons, um, I sometimes feel the compulsion to to work harder and more. Um, that that energy is exciting, and so I, I press into it. And so um, I've been feeling a little imbalanced, feeling like mm-hmm. my family has been, you know, slightly neglected. I'm missing Sabbath time, things like that, and. Then I was given this gift this week, and I love that. 
<laughs> I love those Holy Spirit gifts. So this week, um, we surprised our kids with a Disneyland trip. <gasps> I know. So my fun. my son won some Disneyland tickets from his school jogathon, and we decided to just go for it. And it was one of those days where I felt I felt like I was obedient, and I I put away my phone and and things like that. Tried to be present, but um, but it was just gift after gift of presence with my kids and laughing and and the times that were the most special were the times where I was utterly out of control and so I just felt this like blessing of connection Mm. and I realized that I think the antidote for imbalance is not balance because when I was trying to piece it all together it's like how can I possibly fit this routine that I need to fit in and keep my Sabbath time and keep my you know all all these you know, things to care for my body and soul. And instead, I think the antidote to imbalance is connection. Mm. And that was really important for me this week. So God showed me that and mm-hmm. I'm grateful. I love that. Yes. I love The answer that. to imbalance is Disneyland. It's Disneyland. <laughs> it, this week it was. That yes. was special. Yes. Uh, thanks, Amy, for sharing that. That's yeah. awesome. And we would always love to hear from you as well. You can always uh, get in contact with us to share any of your God sightings or your questions or comments or stories from this week of faith discussion or reflection. You can uh, email us. You can call us and leave us a voicemail or send us a text message. You can get in contact with us through our website, myfaithtogo.org, where you can also find all those Faith to Go resources every week. And you can also follow us or direct messages on Instagram, tag us in a post. You can find all those ways of getting in contact with us in the description for this podcast episode. And now we're going to get into our gospel discussion for this upcoming Sunday, October 9th, proper 23 in year C. Charlotte is going to read the gospel and then I'll give some context and then we'll each share a point that we hope you take into your week of faith discussion and reflection this week. So the gospel for this upcoming Sunday is Luke 17 verses 11 to 19. (laughs) On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten lepers approached him. Keeping their distance, they called out, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And they went. They were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him and he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, Were not ten made clean? But the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. All right. Here we are in the middle of Luke chapter 17. Last week we we heard the very beginning of Luke chapter 17. Uh, What was it? Verses like 5 to 10, I think. And so this is just the very next thing that happens. It's interesting because this is like this one healing story in this really big block of like teaching things. Uh, Jesus is doing a lot of parable telling in this section of, of the gospel. And so this is like a little break of an actual interaction and healing story that's happening. So um, there's some more healing stories coming up uh, before he gets to Jerusalem. But this is kind of sandwiched between a bunch of like parables and teachings about the kingdom of God and things like that. So it's interesting that this kind of pops up right here in the middle of all that. 
And as we're we're reminded here of something that we've been talking about for so, so long, since the end of Easter, since Pentecost, uh, which is that Jesus is going back and just walking between uh, Samaria and Galilee and in this region going from... Um, going to it from his hometown, his home region of Galilee down to Jerusalem. So he's making this very long trek and stopping in villages along the way. And so every once in a while we'll be reminded of this by Luke where it says he was, he was in this area. He entered a village and then these things happen. So Jesus is making this slow trek down to Jerusalem for where he will, you know, ultimately end his ministry. And that's going to happen soon. It's going to be in chapter uh, the end of chapter 18, beginning of chapter 19. That's Jesus' triumphal entry in Jerusalem. So here we are uh, in the middle of Luke 17. And Charlotte has the first point. I do, because mine comes at the beginning of this passage that we're hearing. And that's because at the beginning of this, we actually get some context of where Jesus is going and where he is traveling. And that the lepers are placed in between in this area where they are. And I was thinking specifically about how long they had been there, what life was like for them, how many people walked by them on the regular, because they are in between places, a place that you travel by, and they are set apart in that way. They're not allowed inside anywhere because they have leprosy. And so they understand the rules of their condition and that they have to stay segregated and separated from people. Um, and even it names it in here um, because they say that keeping their distance, they called out to him. So they knew that even though they had decided to call out to Jesus, that they could not run up and throw themselves at his feet, that there were boundaries and expectations and things that were part of living with leprosy. Living with leprosy. I don't even like saying mm. that phrase, right? Mm. Like that's just an awful human condition to be mm. in. And so if you are in this place of living with leprosy, of you are, if you think about a marginalized person, this is like all the way down at the bottom of where you can be, as you can be set aside, um, as a cast aside, as a human being. And what must it have taken for them to be, be so bold as to call out to Jesus. And what must they have seen? They must have known they, or believed, right? Like it's a testimony to their faith, which we're going to talk about more later, that they could be bold enough to bring themselves to Jesus and to call out and ask for healing. And I was, I was thinking about what that means for us as people, right? Because Certainly there are plenty of times in our own lives where we have felt cast aside or left out or that something is so vastly wrong with us that we are beyond help or saving. And that often in those times, we won't even, at, we won't even call out to God, that we have put ourselves in our own box of shame and, and distrust and isolation. And thinking about like, what would it look like for me? What would it look like for any of us to be bold enough to call out that way? Because I really believe that sometimes faith, sometimes faith is so crystal clear and you can be like, oh, that's what faith looks like. But sometimes faith is just a glimmer of hope when you feel like you don't have any. And it's just that one little flickering light of hope that gives you the strength or the ability or the boldness 
to name what it is that you really need in a situation. And maybe you're willing to to name it for yourself to know that to say, okay, this is what I need. Or maybe it's something that you only feel that you can lay at God's feet. And I think that that's what I see in this, is that in this in-between place, in between these two lands, is this community of people who are suffering tremendously with an actual physical illness and the shame that goes with this particular physical illness that they have. And that their hope, their kindled flicker of flame, makes them bold enough to cry out to God. And that message of hope that that offers to all of us in this situation, not even getting into the rest of this gospel, which you guys are going to talk about beautifully, but just that even just their flicker of hope made them bold enough to call out to God. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my, my point is next. And I was thinking about um, this. The, I'm, I was struck by how like the, Jesus gives them these instructions um, to go see the priest to kind of take part because there's like a formal ritual, like a formal religious Jewish ritual for cleansing that would need to happen for a leprous person to be reconnected, reunited with their community. Um, And so I was, I was struck by the fact that uh, I guess as I was thinking about the story and I was, I was like remembering it, that, it's like they go back to the priest and then they're healed and then some of, one of them comes back. But in fact, they don't even get all the way to the priest. And so they're healed just on their way to the priest. And so I am I'm interested in the ways that like this healing story is kind of like pushing against and asking us to, to think about like who we believe has the capacity to heal in our communities. I think it's like Jesus kind of undermining the assumptions and power structures and the kind of like ritualistic kind of purity codes of his own tradition. And then just like, and that is not just about Judaism having this thing, but like Christianity has this thing today. We all have this thing. We have, we in modern, in my, in our Christian context, I would call this clericalism. Just this Mm -hmm. idea that like, that this that the priests in our communities have these magical hands that can do things that nobody else can do, mm-hmm. you know that like a a blessing or a healing laying out of hands or something from a priest means more than from a person that's not ordained kind of thing, and like this really so i I find I see it I read it as like Jesus pushing against our assumptions of like power, especially on this institutional level where the institution of a, of a religious tradition is like dictating to people how and when they get to be pure and clean and healed. And so, and then like trying to redistribute that power to the rest of the community, mm-hmm. you know, and thinking about how like, so in this story, Jesus like tells them to go do this kind of institutionalized um healing ritual and they don't even make it there they're healed you know or they're made clean and their leprosy is taken away and like and so i'm just i'm struck by what that might mean for us when we're thinking about our communities when we're thinking about the ways that we like make assumptions about who has the capacity to do different things based on what we've been 
told about where they are in the hierarchy and that that there is something that we are all like empowered to heal one another in community and because what does jesus really do here like jesus doesn't touch them jesus doesn't do anything special jesus just like has compassion responds to their call and then and then like directs them um he what what does he do he believes that they could be healed you know and, mm-hmm. and so he like matches their belief in their own healing i think it's just like i think the i think the thing that that makes jesus amazing in the story and in all the healing stories like so much of the healing stories are these like beautiful moments of jesus connecting with people who are suffering and the way that like the hierarchy the institution and religious institutions are set up is this like power structure between the people that can cure your suffering and the people who are who are suffering so that there's the powerful people who are given these like magical hands to make you better and the people that need to get better at the bottom or maybe on the outside and jesus is like no really healing happens when we can be back on the same plane with one another when we can recognize each other's humanity and each other's suffering and that compassion is there's like there's not really compassion when there's a power differential but there's only true compassion when you can recognize that you're on the same level with one another that you're all human that you're all hurting that you're all trying your best and so that's what i love about the story is just like the way jesus is pushing on our assumptions of who has power to do what in these religious institutions where, and he's doing this all the time. He's like pushing on, he's, we've already heard him in multiple stories, pushing on like the, the laws about the Sabbath and when you can heal and who gets to heal and, and when you can heal someone. And he's pushing on, you know, the, like the authority of the religious leaders and the way that they're wielding their power and asking them to, to like recognize how they're having power over people instead of empowering people. And this is a story about Jesus sending Jesus empowering people. Um, and the way he, and the way he like pushes against that overpowering structure by like sending them away before they can get to the place where it's, where they'd be reinforcing the power structure, they're healed. Mm -hmm. And so by being healed before they can get there, he's like subverting, that understanding of how power works in the system so i just wonder how that what that means for us today you know like who are we assuming has power and who who are we assuming like doesn't have power and how can we use the power we have like jesus does to empower people rather than reinforce the power structures that hurt people and marginalize people and keep people you know on the bottom of the of the hierarchy um, and instead kind of flatten flatten it and make it more kind of circular and communal. So, yeah. Both amazing points. I um, wanted to add, I, I think that there's something really important in the, the participation of this Samaritan leper and in his own healing through his gratitude. Mm-hmm. That there's um, something extra that's happening that he is incapable of healing himself, um, that that is Christ's work. Um, but there is a change in words, take it away, 
David. What are those two different words? <laughs> Thank you. I'm here to report on the words. Yes. So these there's two different Greek words used here that, uh, based on the translation you're using, they might be translated the same, um, but, but even in this translation we read today, there's a difference between when Jesus says, uh, weren't, we're not ten made clean, so clean is one word, and get up and go on your way, for your faith has made you well. Made you well is a different is another word, and those two words in Greek are two different words. So the word in Greek for clean is the same Greek word that we get the word cathartic from. It's katharizo, so it's that root word for cathartic, so like mm. this idea of like, like cleansing something. Mm. And... The word made you well is actually a translation of the of the verb sozo or you know a conjugation of the word sozo which is the which is like the the verb form of the noun soteria which is like savior so it's to save mm-hmm. but it's also to heal so in, it's interesting that like when we when it's talking about Jesus saving it's the same word that they're translating here as being made well mm-hmm. or healing or curing or you know on like a more in like uh you could also think about like made whole maybe but it's like this mm-hmm. i was thinking the word holistic yeah there. it's yeah. just like a more comprehensive kind of right. thing than cleansing but they're definitely yes. two different words clean and made well perfect yeah. thank you david back to you i was just thinking how um how anecdotally in my life that feels very true that in the times where i have felt healing it's in my gratitude that that really like cements into my bones that mm-hmm. I, I feel the, the newness and the transition and the holistic, um, healing in a different way than, than just the problem being solved. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I think in, in this leper coming back, there was sort of another layer of healing that is done. Um, and that is through gratitude and that, that gratitude is such an important practice that it it um, allows us to participate in this great work of Christ in in our own healing. And I'm super curious about um, how that plays out in so many different ways. But in in this one, I just want to know the rest of his story versus mm-hmm. the rest of the, everybody else's right. stories. Um, and and I have an inkling that his is a more um, emotionally and, and uh, heartfelt uh, transition as opposed to a physical transition um, of healing and, and fullness in Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had the thought when you, I, I had the thought like this, um, this image of like these other, these other nine remain cleansed. It's not like they get leprosy again, mm-hmm. you know. Um, mercifully, Luke doesn't say that because Thank that goodness. would be the worst. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so they go back and they like live their lives, they're cleansed, but I'm imagining like this Samaritan, this person that comes back, they are healed. And like when one is made whole, it creates opportunity for that healing to be passed on to another person, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So that like, I'm imagining that the gratitude leads to this kind of whole wholeness within that then kind of ripples out and has effects on the world where then this person can go out and heal people. Yeah. You know, that like this healing, it's kind of like this domino effect of healing. Yeah. Whereas it's not like the other, 
nine can't live perfectly lovely happy lives but there's mm-hmm. something about gratitude that creates the space for it to be passed on or that this like idea of being made whole or made being healed or saved is is like it's good because it it makes it so that salvation isn't this kind of like individual means to an end for myself but is meant to be this kind of ripple effect into the world mm-hmm. you know so that like you know a per- there's like that salvation isn't about saying jesus is my lord and savior salvation is about how are you healing the world now that you've been healed mm. you know and it makes it much more communal which is mm. how i see jesus talking about any and all of the things ever it's about this kind of communal wellness and not just an individual pursuit, you know, of salvation. There's also a really interesting winding up of the words gratitude and faith, Mm -hmm. that um, gratitude is such a central part of this man's faith expression Mm -hmm. that God, uh, Jesus at that point says, your faith has made you well, Mm -hmm. that because of this, this expression of gratitude that revealed a faith in this Mm -hmm person. And I, I think that, um, gratitude creates in us an awe of God that, that does express faith, right? Mm -hmm. I, those two words feel very linked to me. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that that central transition is some sort of version of awe or wonder. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, those are three points for today. Uh, point number one was Charlotte's and it was about the importance of of hope in this this community of these 10 people and and how hope was that just like small light that like created the the means for them to have faith that they could be healed that kept them going um and number two was mine and it was about jesus you know being compassionate and subverting kind of the the power the overpowering power structures of his community and and hopefully all communities to be more egalitarian more radically democratic more like interdependent um and equitable and then number three was amy's and it was about the difference between being cleansed and being healed the role of gratitude in being in our wholeness you know in our saving and our being healed being made well And, you know, what that means uh, to be made well. What is our responsibility then Mm -hmm. as people, as a person that's been made well or is on the path to being made well? Who knows if it ever really happens? What does wholeness mean? Now I'm just on the diatribe of wondering. So having heard those three points, we'd love to hear from you. What would your point have been if you'd been a guest on the pod this week? We'd also love to hear any of your questions or comments or stories from your week of faith discussion and reflection. You can get in contact with us in any of those ways listed in the description for this podcast episode. And thank you again to Amy Reams for being here. Thanks, Amy. I would hang out and talk the Bible with you guys any day. Yes. So fun. We would like you to do it again. Oh, good. Mm -hmm. Anytime. Oh, good. Okay. Maybe Monday mornings at 10. (laughs) Great. (laughs) Your life just got a lot busier. Awesome. Um, And we will be back next week to talk about Proper 24 in your seat for Sunday, October 16th. And until then, we say goodbye. Goodbye, Goodbye, everybody. everybody.